If I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading, it comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the child Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me, so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went, and looked. the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. This morning, we're going to be taking some time to uh, look a little bit at the epiphany of the Lord, or in non-churchy language, the visit of the wise men. And then following that, we'll transition into the covenant renewal service, uh, which is an insert in your bulletin that you'll need. And then following that, we'll share in Holy Communion. And so like we mentioned in our children's time and heard in the scripture, the visit of the, the Magi, the wise men, or the kings comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. So if you're to go and to look in the Gospel of Mark, Luke, or John, and you're to find something or want to find something about the Magi or the kings, you're not going to find anything. Matthew is the only gospel writer who wrote about them. And this has caused some people, you can go look and, and read it and Google it and, and find something if you'd like to. Uh, there are some people who question whether the Magi really came to visit Jesus. Now, part of that is because it's only one gospel. Part of that is I think, well, I don't know, there are other reasons. But I just, um, I think what they do is, is, is folks are looking to the gospel of Luke because that's where we receive most of the rest of our birth story of Jesus Christ. And we know that Luke was Greek. We know that Luke was likely a doctor. We know that the way that Luke has written his gospel is he presents it in a very factual way. And so if he would have written about the Magi, we probably could have had more information on them because that's how Luke wrote his gospel. He may have written about where they were from or who they were or the countries that they were of origin or anything else about them that would have made their appearance more helpful. Instead, from Matthew's gospel, we get that they were from the east and that they followed the star. And so much of what we assume about the Magi is from Christian tradition. The names, the country of origin, where they are from, that's all tradition. But there are a couple of facts that we can get from Matthew's gospel. 
is that they were men who did appear before Jesus. They did bring gifts of value to present to Mary and Joseph. And that we know that they visited King Herod. Now see, I think it's helpful that Matthew writes for us that they did visit King Herod. Because you can't look at Israel and of that region of the world and ignore the fact that King Herod was definitely a king in that land during the time. You can look in the Bible and find plenty of references to Herod. You can look in the culture and find even more references to Herod. So Herod was not a fictional character. So if you tour Israel today, you'll see different sites that have direct connection to Herod. A palace fortress called Masada on top of a mountain. The next one is Herodium, which was a palace that he built six or so miles outside of Bethlehem. And it's believed that that is the place actually that he was buried after his death. The ruins of a seaside palace at Caesarea Maritima, which was a palace built out into the Mediterranean Ocean. If you go to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the stones that people go visit and pray at are the ruins of the second temple that was built by King Herod, finished in 48 AD, 40 AD, yes, and then destroyed in 70. Those stones are Herodian stones that when Herod rebuilt the Temple Mount and enlarged it to the size that, that it is today, those are the foundational stones that were laid. And so there are lots of things physically that we can look at that tie us to King Herod in the land of Israel and that also we can then tie to the wise men or the magi because they visited Herod. In addition to physical sites in Israel, you can look at the records of the Romans because Herod would have been a client king who ruled Israel under the authority or, or the allowance of the Romans allowing him to rule Israel. And so the Roman records show Herod. And so there's plenty of historical reference for us to see and to look at when we read and write about Herod the Great. And so we know that the Magi appeared before him. We know that when they came, he had to consult his own biblical scholars and sages, his priests, to find out who they are hunting for, what they are referencing, and they come back and tell him the scripture of saying, you know, that it's out of Bethlehem and Judea that the one is going to be born who is able to rule. And so in Matthew 2, verse 9 through 12, it says, When they heard the king, they went and looked. The star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their country by another route. And so they went to find Jesus. They went to see Jesus. They worshiped Jesus. And then they went another route. See, as I've read the story of the Magi and as I've thought about it this past week, that's the passage of Scripture that jumps out at me this morning. They went back to their country by another route. They didn't go back to see Herod. They didn't send a messenger to tell Herod what had happened. 
They didn't even return to the path that they had come on, traveling through the city of Jerusalem and then going on, you know, back towards whatever land in the east that they were from. They found another route. And see, as I'm thinking about this morning's gospel reading and thinking about what it means for us to be followers of Jesus Christ, that's the connection of what it means for us to be a follower of Jesus and what it means for us to to go and to encounter Jesus and then to continue on into our lives. Because he doesn't just meet us where where we're at, but he meets us where we're at and then he invites us to go on into a deeper walk in faith, into a deeper walk in our life, into a deeper pursuit of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And see, I think too often we see instances or we think of times where where we feel like like God has has changed our lives or, or met us in a place. And then we end up back on that same route. And then when we're back on that same route, where do we find ourselves? We find ourselves facing the same challenges, the same things, the same temptations, whatever it is. But see, the wise men went. And the scripture tells us that they came, they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, and then they went home another way. Because that's what Christ, in an encounter with Christ, invites us to do. To go on another route. To go on a route with him, to go on a path that leads to life, to, to go on, on a, a way that, that we leave something back that we need to leave back. Or it may mean getting on that other route that means pursuing something that we know that we need to pursue. It's not just giving something up, but it also can be putting ourselves in a place where we're trying to achieve something. Because that's what it means for us to encounter Jesus. Is to pursue a life of faith and to pursue a life together in whatever way that God invites us and that God leads us. And for the wise men, that meant going home a different way. But for us, that can mean leaving something behind. For us, that could mean setting something aside. For us, that could mean choosing to pursue something that we know we need to, but we haven't yet been, been willing or, or able to make that first step into what that means. But Christ invites us to do that each and every day. And that's part of what it means for us to participate in the Wesleyan Covenant Renewal Service that's in our bulletin. You know, the early Methodists from the very beginning would do this every year. It often was on New Year's Eve, and so they'd call it a watch night service. And they would practice this, this time of recommitment to one another and to God and to Christ. And then they would celebrate Holy Communion. And then they would enter the new year prepared for what God had placed before them. And so this morning we're going to go through the, the covenant renewal service. And then following that service we'll share in communion. You may recognize some of these words in the prayers that we read together. Because we've read and and done uh, the abbreviated covenant renewal prayer as part of New Year's, of our first worship in the new year before. But I don't believe we've done the complete covenant renewal service. So I invite you to hear these words. Commit yourselves to Christ as his servants. Give yourselves to him. 
that you may belong to him. Christ has many services to be done. Some are more easy and honorable, but others are more difficult and disgraceful. Some are suitable to our inclinations and interests. Others are contrary to both. In some we may please Christ and please ourselves, but then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. It is necessary, therefore, that we consider what it means to be a servant of Christ. Let us, therefore, go to Christ and pray. Let me be your servant under your command. I will no longer be my own. I will give up myself to your will in all things. Be satisfied that Christ shall give you your place and work. Lord, make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and with a willing heart give it all to your pleasure and disposal. Christ will be the Savior of none but his servants. He is the source of all salvation to those who obey. Christ will have no servants except by consent. Christ will not accept anything except full consent to all that he requires. Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. Confirm this by a holy covenant. To make this covenant a reality in your life, listen to these admonitions. First, set some time apart more than once to be spent alone before the Lord in seeking earnestly God's special assistance and gracious acceptance of you, and carefully thinking through all the conditions of the covenant, and searching your hearts whether you have already freely given your life to Christ. Consider what your sins are. Consider the laws of Christ, how holy, strict, and spiritual they are, and whether you, after having carefully considered them, are willing to choose them all. Be sure you are clear in these matters. See that you do not lie to God. Second, be serious and in a spirit of holy awe and reverence. Third, claim God's covenant. Rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength so you can keep your promise. Trust not your own strength and power. Fourth, resolve to be faithful. You have given to the Lord your hearts, you have opened your mouths to the Lord and you have dedicated yourself to God. With God's power, never go back. At last, be then prepared to renew your covenant with the Lord. Fall on your knees, lift your hand toward heaven, open your hearts to the Lord as we pray. O righteous God, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, see me as I fall down before you. Forgive my unfaithfulness in not having done your will, for you have promised mercy to me if I turn to you with my whole heart. God requires that you shall put away all your idols. I hear from the bottom of my heart, renounce them all, covenanting with you that no known sin shall be allowed in my life. Against your will, I have turned my love toward the world. In your power, I will watch all temptations that will lead me away from you. For my own righteousness is riddled with sin, unable to stand before you.
Through Christ, God has offered to be your God again if you would let him. Before all heaven and earth, I acknowledge you as my Lord and God. I take you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for my portion and vow to give myself, body and soul, as your servant to serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of my life. God has given the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way and means of coming to Christ. Jesus, I do here on bended knee accept Christ as the only new and living way and sincerely join myself in covenant with him. O blessed Jesus, I come to you hungry, sinful, miserable, blind, and naked, unworthy even to wash the feet of your servants. I do here with all my power accept you as my Lord and head. I renounce my own worthiness and vow that you are the Lord, my righteousness. I renounce my own wisdom and take you for my only guide. I renounce my own will and take your will as my law. Christ has told you that you must suffer with him. I do here covenant with you, O Christ, to take my lot with you as it may fall. Through your grace, I promise that neither knife nor death shall part me from you. God has given holy laws as the rule of your life. I do here willingly put my neck under your yoke to carry your burden. All your laws are holy, just, and good. I therefore take them as the rule for my words, thoughts, and actions, promising that I will strive to order my whole life according to your direction and not allow myself to neglect anything I know to be my duty. The Almighty God searches and knows your heart. O oh God, you know that I make this covenant with you today without guile or reservation. If any falsehood should be in it, guide me and help me to set it aright. And now, glory be to you, O God the Father, whom I from this day forward shall look upon as my God and Father. Glory be to you, O God the Son, who have loved me and washed me from my sins in your own blood, and now is my Savior and a Redeemer. Glory be to you, O God the Holy Spirit, who by your almighty power have turned my heart from sin to God. Almighty God, the Lord Omnipotent, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have now become my covenant friend, and I, through grace, have become your covenant servant. So be it, and let the covenant I have made on earth be ratified in heaven. Amen. And so we gather today as a covenant people to receive the gift that God has given us. Remembering when Jesus gathered with his disciples and broke bread and gave it to them and told them, take, eat, this is my body for you. And then he shared the cup, telling them, drink from this, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Gracious God, we give you thanks for these gifts this day. We ask for you to bless them now as we prepare to receive them. Make them be for us your body and blood 
so that we might be for the world your body, serving you in ministry in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you take your communion wafer, now I invite you to take, eat. This is the body of Christ broken for you. And as we share in the juice, this is the blood of Christ poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. 